Capella University is rethinking higher education. With their game-changing FlexPath format, you can earn your degree on your schedule, so you can fit education seamlessly into your life. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. We're going to talk through some of the deal issues we've seen in our offices today and how they've been overcome, but we also have some of those brokers from across our network on the show today sharing their creative deal solutions and deal structures to make sure that the ultimate goal is accomplished for the buyer and the seller. In today's economy, more people than ever are looking to buy and sell businesses, but how do you do it? Welcome to The Deal Board, presented by Transworld Business Advisors. Straight talk about real deals and real people. Listen to stories, interviews, and expert advice to help your business sale, merger, or acquisition process. Now, here are your business exit experts, Andy and Jessica. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to The Deal Board, and welcome back to us. Not really welcome back. We, we just parted ways. Yeah, exactly. We were just together, what, not even a week ago. <laughs> yeah, so we were in Denver and we celebrated Transworld Business Advisors' big conference along with the IBBA conference. It was great to have everybody in the same room, 200 plus Transworld folks. If you haven't seen the pictures of our group uh, in the streets of uh, Denver, it was just amazing. It's awesome. Yeah, you have to follow us on LinkedIn or Facebook, but it was like a sea of green invading the 16th Street Mall. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And yeah, people were walking down the street. I, I think somebody posted something with uh, the March music from Star Wars. It's, <laughs> it looked pretty cool. But it, it was great getting together. And, you know, for the most part, everybody was really upbeat. Everybody was talking about what the marketplace was like, uh, that, you know, there's a lot of deals going on. And usually during these conferences, we like to ask a question and we like to send you some of the results of those questions. We were really busy. We got a few of those questions asked, but it was a good question, right? Yeah, it was a great question. It actually came from one of our franchisees, John Roman in Atlanta, but he wanted to know, you know, what is one of the major deal issues that you face and overcome as a broker in a deal? And we thought it was a great question because it provides a lot of insight to our broker community, but also to our buyers and sellers about just this mortgage board of the different things that can go wrong in a deal, but how you can still overcome them with a positive outcome that includes closing. Yeah, it takes some work and it takes some skill. And it's funny, we were just talking about this earlier today uh, because there have been several issues that people run into. And I think that's one of the strengths of our network is being able to reach out to literally hundreds of brokers and seeing who's been through a similar experience like this before. Yeah, because the best brokers are the best creative deal makers. And we're going to talk through some of the deal issues we've seen in our offices today and how they've been overcome. But we also have some of those brokers from across our network on the show today sharing their creative deal solutions and deal structures to make sure that the ultimate goal is accomplished for the buyer and the seller. Yeah, getting deals done. I mean, that's the most important thing and getting everybody paid and and letting the seller move on to greener pastures, letting the buyers have a new opportunity. Uh, there's a lot of deals, issues that happen. And you know, I've been doing this for over 25 years. You've been doing this well over 10. We've seen a lot. And, you know, it's sort of the same ones kind of pop up time after time. Yeah. So Andy and I put together a list of 10 common ones that we've seen and some exa recent examples of how they've been overcome. But like we said, every deal is a little bit different. Every solution is a little bit different. So these are just some examples, um, but may not be applicable to your deal or your business. 
the best thing you can do is have a great creative deal maker in representing your company. Absolutely. So what's the first one? So first one is one we talk about a lot, seller financing. Um, so overcoming a, an objection from either a buyer or sometimes a bank, that seller financing has to be included in a deal. And I know we've talked about it a lot on the show, but it's not something that uh, sellers are really readily accepting in the first conversation, right? It's something that they grow to love over time. So I, I had an example where we had a company, it was a towing company actually in Colorado. Um, the bank appraisal came back a little bit lower, which we'll talk about coming into it. And the seller was going to have to carry a note that was subordinate to the bank note. Um, so the seller was like, wait, hold on a second. Let's talk about different creative solutions because I don't want to be subordinate. I want to have first position on the lien on the business. And so what we did is we came up with a mainly seller note structure, dropped the bank financing. He had a more secure note in place and the deal closed a lot faster. We expedited that deal to close in a week or two versus waiting on 60 days for the bank to go through their process. Um, so a great uh, solution really ready and able seller that was also able to see the benefits of seller financing for him in terms in terms of earning interest and you know stringing out the payments over time versus one chunk up front. Yeah, that's great. And you know obviously it puts some onus on the seller and the seller therefore has to make sure the business performs to make sure they get paid. I mean obviously a promissory note is for sure quote unquote uh, that it has certain terms and obligations that have to be fulfilled, usually payments. Uh, but there are other ways to get around that issue as well. And one of them, the next number two is earnouts. And we've seen a lot of earnouts come into play, especially over the last couple of years because of what's going on in the marketplace as far as 2020 numbers might have been rough, 2020 numbers are coming back, perhaps too heated. Uh, 2022 now, everybody's worried about inflation and all kinds of um, all kinds of issues like uh, the labor issues and supply chain issues. So what we're seeing is more earnouts. And one earnout that I had that was really big was in a, a in a medical supply business. And that medical supply business, 70 percent of the revenues was from one customer. And obviously. You know, the, the buyers, and it was a competitive process to buy this businesses, and the buyers were coming up still with a substantial proportion of the of the down payment of, you know, of, of the purchase price in a down payment. So they really needed to have some sort of earnout to make sure that 70% customer was going to stay because there was no contract involved uh, with the buyer, with that vendor, you know, the, that, that was buying from them. So we set up a two-year gross revenue uh, earnout where if the company got to a certain amount of sales over the next two years, there was a substantial um, payout due to the seller. And the seller made it clearly easily uh, both years. So it was, it was good for the buyer, good for the seller. Yeah, it's a really, earnouts are a really great way to solve valuation gaps, to solve risks like customer concentration. And, and yeah, Andy, we've seen so much more in the last two years than we had in the previous probably five. So even on, on smaller deals. But uh, what's the third thing that we see? And this one happens quite often. Yeah, it happens quite often. I think it gets mentioned a little bit later by one of our franchisees, but landlord approval. And landlord landlords are tough. I mean, uh, you know, certainly before the pandemic hit, uh, they were riding high, 
rents were still increasing. And then all of a sudden the pandemic hit and then all of a sudden everybody was willing to deal everybody because they thought what happened in 2009, 2010, 11 was going to happen again. Well, guess what? It didn't happen. So what we're seeing is that, you know, landlords are now becoming tough again. And some of those places that you thought were going to open up, you thought retail was going to open up, hasn't. Uh, And so we had a deal and I want to talk about this deal specifically where it was an individual landlord, which is sometimes tougher because you can't really know who that landlord is or get in touch with anybody in the company because literally it's a single landlord. And so we were trying to get in touch with the landlord. Landlord wanted nothing to do with this deal. Really, the seller wanted to retire. Buyer was a very, it was a large sports bar restaurant. And the buyer was an amazing, accomplished restaurateur. And this was going to be an upgrade for the landlord. We just had to get to him. And he was very difficult to uh, get hold of. Uh, So I did some research, found out where he lived, and assumed he was a part of a certain religious um, a religious church a synagogue that I, I researched, and I was able uh, to reach out to a friend who I knew was a member of that synagogue. And I said, do you know so-and-so? And they said, absolutely. He's one of my dear friends. I go to a synagogue with him every week. And I'm like, can you set up a meeting between the two of us? And he was able to do that. And because of the personal connection, because I had helped this person sell their business. So this was a previous seller that I reached out to. I was able to broker the deal and get everybody back to the table and get the deal done. Yeah. Networking and connections are so important in this business, especially when you're dealing with issues like that. Yeah. So the next one is actually another L. Um, Actually, we've got three L's in a row. There you go. Uh, lawyer, Lawyer issues. And this is specifically attorneys not getting along. Um, so when you get down to, to the deal closing process, there's there's legal documents that go back and forth. Usually the buyer has an attorney and the seller has an attorney. And going back to relationships, it's really important that they're deal-friendly attorneys. Um, and so we had a situation where we did not have a deal-friendly attorney. Actually, the seller had gone to school, was a buddy of his, was a litigator, um, had very little experience in putting small business transactions together. But because they were friends, he really wanted to use his friend that was a litigator. Um, Now, there's some great litigators in in this world, and they have a a good purpose in certain situations. But in terms of negotiating deals and business acquisitions for small businesses, usually not their best place. So what we were able to do after a lot of heartache um, between the buyer's attorney and the seller's attorney is to have a sit down with the seller and say, look, you need someone that has experience in putting together legal structures for small business acquisitions and someone who wants to get the deal done. Um, you're not going to win on every single point, And sometimes taking a hard line negotiation strategy is not great in these situations. So the seller was actually amicable to switching attorneys um, and using one of our recommended partners that deals in a lot of businesses in his size and in his industry. And once we were able to make that switch, we got the legal agreements agreed to over the phone between the buyer and seller's attorney within a matter of an hour or so. So it's just an example of, and we've talked about this a lot on the show, Andy, just really making sure you have the right professional advisors on your team when you're going to market. Yeah, that's not the only story of us getting having to have attorneys fired. Yeah, I mean, if they're not going to do the proper job, if they don't have the bandwidth, there's all kinds of issues. It's not that they're not good people or they don't know what they're doing. Sometimes they don't have the bandwidth or it's just not the right deal for them. 
And getting the right person in the right seat is absolutely true. So we see all kinds of things like that. And there's all kinds of legal issues that happen, right? Yeah. So there's other, that's our number five is other legal issues. Um, And this could be business pending lawsuits against the seller or the the seller's business. There could be zoning issues, licensing issues. There's a lot of different legal hurdles that we've had to overcome in all kinds of deals. Um, One of the examples that we had, we sold a medical device company a while back and they had a pending uh, lawsuit from one of their employees. And sometimes these lawsuits can take a really long time to settle. And, you know, it could be a year or two and you don't want to delay the sale process of the business. So what we were able to do is negotiate with the buyer and the seller that we put some money in escrow that could potentially cover any damages. Um, And once that uh, lawsuit claim, which was actually dismissed, um, so it never became an issue, was settled, then that escrow got refunded back to the seller. Um, But there's just certain things you have to plan for. And sometimes, and we know this in the deal world, Andy, things pop up at the the worst possible time, right? (laughs) You know, that you just never know what's going to happen in a business because it's a living, breathing thing, even while you're trying to sell it. You can't control everything. No, you you, you can't. And even... In licensing issues, we've had several things come up in licensing issues. I we, we were selling a pool construction business once upon a time, and we thought that this buyer had a pool contractor's license. It turned out he did not have a pool contractor's license. Yeah, he had a pool cleaning you know, permit license, but here in Florida to con- actually do construction, you either need a general contractor license and or a specialty contractor's license which the buyer had neither. So the seller who was retiring was more than willing to stay on a couple of years, mentor that that uh, buyer, and then help them eventually get their full contracting license, which took some time and he had to go to school and he had to pass the licensing issue. But you know, we see that a lot in licensing. I think licensing uh, in several states is even stickier on some, on some businesses. We even see it in the real estate business a lot. Uh, but there are ways to hire people and have them on your team. Yeah. And I think that's what a big misconception we talk to. And we see this a lot, like you said, construction, real estate, medical is a, a lot of our sellers think that just because a buyer doesn't have a license, it's, it's not going to be a sale that can go through. And there's a lot of different ways that you can structure that. So it's a really great example. So another big hurdle we overcome is employee issues a lot, right, Andy? Yeah. I mean, employee issues can be very, very sticky. And we always tell people that, you know, no matter how much you want to tell your employees, it's best not to tell them about the pending sale because we know, you and I have done a lot of deals, and we know that for the most part, the buyers are going to keep the employees. In fact, sometimes incentivize them to stay and perhaps even treat them better. We've seen that before. So what one of the story was is that, the seller just wanted to tell his employees about this. And they were at the closing table. The main manager walks into the business and announces that he's going to leave. And he's taking the employees with him. This was a Marine, uh, Marine construction business. They manufactured uh, those uh, Bimney tops and things like that. And he was going to leave. Well, he really wasn't going to leave. He was just grandstanding. He wanted a raise. He wanted this. He wanted that. And we were able to calm everybody down, go into another room. I mean, but it's it's it was a major mediation and really just could have been avoided. 
yes, maybe the employee would have gotten uh, upset after the sale, but once he spoke to the to the buyer and once he spoke to the seller and telling him how important this was to his life, probably paid him a few bucks too. Um, you know, it, 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 it was all kind of washed over it. They don't, you don't want them to, to find, you know, to tell them about that. Yeah, they, they, there's unfounded fears a lot of those times. Right. It's, there's kind of all kinds of employee issues that we've we've seen. We've seen stuff like that, demanding bonuses, um, just the random key employee leaving before closing. Like I said, sometimes just bad timing, had no malintentions, knew nothing about the sale, but there's things that we've had to get around about that too. And I know we've got a key employee issue from one of the franchisees too. Yep. So number seven on the list I alluded to a little bit earlier was bank, bank financing. Uh, we use bank financing and SBA programs specifically to get a lot of deals done. Um, they're great financing programs for small business acquisitions. A lot of buyers use them, but there can be deal issues that arise because using bank financing. It just adds a layer of complication onto the process. Um, some common ones we see is low appraisals. I know you have a story about that, Andy. Um, and then we we have one recent um, changes to credit files. So just like applying for any loan, um, if you're applying for an SBA or a, a business acquisition loan, leading up to the closing process, the closing team will pull the buyer's credit file right before closing, and they're looking for any changes to that file. Well, we just had one um, where the buyer decided... <laughs> Uh, this is, I told Andy the story yeah. earlier. This is just like one of those of like, I don't know how to do deal with this one, but buyer decided two weeks before closing to go out and buy um, a six figure car. Um, so there was a specific Italian manufacturer that showed up on their, the buyer's credit file right before closing for, you know, a healthy six figure amount. And the bank said, Hey, where did this come from? And so we had to do some uh, refiguring of the cash flow of the business and making sure that the buyer was able to use the cash flow to pay all of his personal debts, um, as well as the bank financing. Uh, we were fortunately, there was plenty of cash flow in this business to get it done. But just a lesson learned for buyers, it's just really important not to, just like if you're applying for a mortgage, don't go out and take out a bunch of credit right before the closing process on the loan. So. Yeah, it'll drive down your credit score and it'll drive up your personal liabilities and that's yeah. not going to work for the bank. Yeah. So they, they are not going to want to make the Lambo payments for you. Yes, so. exactly. What about <laughs> uh, low appraisals? I know you guys just have overcome a recent one, right, Andy? Yeah, I mean, it. so the construction industry here in Florida and across the United States is going nuts, right? They are building, building, building. The prices are going up, the scarcity of uh, labor. So these these construction companies are actually making more money. Well, because of the pandemic, a lot of valuation uh, experts are not looking at 2020 as a good year to use to value a business. So we had a painting contractor that uh, was for sale in early 2021, about halfway through 2021. And so they were looking at 2019 numbers to value the business. Well, just so happens in 2020, they had a great year because everybody's fixing up their house because they were stuck there for a few months and they wanted to now fix it up. So 2020 happened to be a great year. And basically the business valuation company that was used by the bank was ignoring that, which was driving us all nuts. So it was just at the end of 2021 of, of the first quarter, we were able to get the first quarter numbers and guess what? It was even better than 2020. So now we had an up year in 2020, we had an up year in 2021 and guess what? The valuation company would not buy it and still said 
the company was going to based onto their 2019 numbers. The good news was, is we were able to negotiate with the buyer. The buyer was believed in the business so much that they went out and got cash and they got cash to bridge the gap between the valuation and what the bank was able to lend based on the, the valuation uh, for their bank. Yeah. Yeah. It's another good lesson too. We don't talk about that a lot, but if you are using bank financing, you have to go through this third-party appraisal process. It's similar to housing market. It's a a third party, you know, the brokers have some control over what that's going to come back at, but not, not a lot. Um, So we do have to get creative sometimes in the solution and solving an appraisal gap. So it happens. And it it is interesting with COVID, right? These, these companies that really killed it during the pandemic. um, Sometimes they're not, they're not benefiting from that upswing. Yeah. But now I think things are normalizing, right? We're already through the first quarter of 2022 into the second quarter. I think we're going to, you know, they're going to look at 2021 and 2022, 2020 and 2019 are ancient history at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So another thing we see in deal issues is uh, tax liens. So we've talked a lot on the show before that we typically sell businesses as asset sales, which means they're cash-free, debt-free, but one debt that always follows the business is tax liens. So even if it's transitioned to a new owner, um, the buyer has to just be careful of any tax liens on the business. And this could be um, any type of corporate tax, payroll tax, sales tax. Um, So we did have a situation where um, a seller had fallen behind in some sales tax payments and the number to pay off that tax lien was quite significant. It was actually higher than the purchase price that was agreed to on the business. Wow. And yeah, so so the buyer was obviously not willing to buy the business without the removal of the tax lien and the seller wasn't going to get enough at closing to pay off that lien. Well, most governments would rather have some money than none. So we went to the state and we were able to negotiate a payment that was less than the purchase price that still gave the government most of what they were due at closing. They would remove all the tax liens and the buyer could move on free and clear. So, you know, it's not always a dead end. You can negotiate um, out of those tax liens. There's actually specialty companies that help do that too. One of ours is a partner with Transworld. So happy story for both the buyer and seller, but just another thing to watch out for. Yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of liens. We had a lien once upon a time on an ice maker. And and it was crazy because uh, we were selling this restaurant and there was a lien on this ice maker and you you have to get a UCC3 file, the release of lien. Well, we looked into the ice maker and the ice maker was no longer in business. Oh, God. So we're at the closing table, we're scrambling around and we did it and we wound up finding out that the ice makers, uh, the ice maker company, was acquired by another company, right? Acquisition, right? So of course, we called that company and they said, listen, we did acquire the assets of that business. We have no record of this client or that lien. And we said, will you file a UCC3 anyway? And they Mm -hmm. said, sure. So they were willing to do that for us. You know, again, negotiations, having to run down to that company actually and get something signed so we could get it back to the closing table. Crazy mm-hmm. stuff. I mean, Crazy. there's all kinds of stuff that go on like that too. And and the other thing that comes into uh, play with with envi- with with all kinds of government issues again is environmental issues. Environmental issues are becoming stickier and stickier over the years. Of course, we see environmental issues uh, with past things like laund- laundries, like uh, dry cleaners, and one of the things that we always see it on is scrap yards where they're either uh, taking apart cars or they're crushing cars. 
And of course, the oil gets into the ground and then you have an issue. And over the years, I mean, these these scrapyards have been around for a million years, these gas stations, whatever it is, uh, there is a super fund list, but sometimes they're not even on that super fund list because it's been around so long or they didn't get on it at the right time. So we had a scrapyard once upon a time, of course, that it, it failed. It's, you know, the phase one, it didn't get through phase one. They required a phase two. They got through to phase two. It failed to phase two. So we were able to convince the banks and we were able to convince the buyers to go through it anyway with a significant portion of the purchase price in escrow for a couple of years. Because what they, they realized that there always there was going to be this ground contamination. They wanted to make sure it wasn't spreading. So they did some uh, re- remediation uh, and they wound up uh, they wound up uh, keeping that in escrow for a couple of years, did another phase two, actually wound up cleaning up the water a little bit and they were able to get their money. Wow. Yeah. Environmental issues, like you said, they're, they're increasing over the years and just different regulations, but there are creative ways to get around it like that one. Yeah. So last one to round out our top 10 list of deal issues we've overcome is buyer past issues. And, you know, this, this can be background. Um, It's related a lot to bank financing too, because they do run background checks and history checks on buyers when they're providing financing. And Andy, I know you guys just came overcame an issue with a buyer's past arrest of history. Yeah. So the buyer, when he was a young person, had an arrest record, he was actually uh, committed with what was then called fraud and he pleaded guilty to it. And of course, this was, you know, the aha moment for the seller's attorney who didn't want this deal to go through. It says, see, look what I dug up. I wound up doing a criminal background check on the buyer and found this fraud uh, charge and uh, actually conviction. Uh, and what it turned out to be was, you know, 20 plus years before that, the the buyer was working in politics and wound up being a campaign finance, a campaign finance fraud because they used the phones during working hours and he was one of the employees. And it's a long, long drawn out story about yeah. why they eventually decided to plead guilty because they had already gone through one phase. And it was, you know, again, he was a kid. He was working on, on behalf of a politician and uh, the whole staff was uh, kind of kind of got in trouble for doing this campaign finance thing. So it was an easy explanation. The business had nothing to do with um, with finance or it, it just, it was a manufacturer of, uh, of computer components. And so uh, it, it went through eventually, but it was all it took was an explanation. Yeah. And we've seen that it could be background criminal tra- uh, checks. It can also be bankruptcies, um, you know, depending on how long ago the bankruptcy happened. Um, that doesn't always prevent a deal from going through, even with financing. So a lot of different ways to overcome issues. We've got some franchisees that are sharing their creative uh, ways to overcome with some objections and deal issues they've faced in the last year. But I, I think this episode really, Andy, is just about giving people ideas of everything that has to overcome in a deal. And you're not going to have all of these in every deal. Maybe you'll have one or two or three. Actually, you always say three, right? There's always three major issues that we have to tackle. Um, And and for the sellers that are listening to this episode, you might not know what they are. Um, Sometimes they creep up. Sometimes we 
run the lean search and there's a tax lien on the ice maker that we thought we paid off 20 years ago. Right. Yeah. Um, but, but it's not the end of the deal. Um, and working with the right team, you definitely can keep the deal moving forward and resolve any issues. Yeah. You just need to have someone in your corner like a trans world because it, that really, because your lawyer is not going to go chase this down. Your accountant's not going to go chase this down. Uh, the buyer or seller might be paralyzed or can't do it themselves. And you need someone there to run this kind of stuff down and have the connections that we have in our local communities. So I think it's a, a big plus because this is at the end of the deal. Usually everybody's already cashed the check. They've got their a trip around the world ready to go. And now all of a sudden it's going to die. And like you said, every good deal dies at least once, perhaps twice. And if it dies three times and comes back, it's definitely going through. So yes. Yeah. So we hope this provides you guys all just a little insight on day to day, what our deal makers go through and, and what they're really good at. Um, it was great to be back live at, at conference to be with 200 of our fellow franchisees and agents. And we're so happy to have them contribute to this episode. Yeah, and it was great. Uh, we have some buyers, uh, we have some deals of the week, and we have mm -hmm. some listings of the week, and we have some more war stories, because that's what we do when we sit around this business program, <laughs> talk <laughs> yes. about war stories. So Yes, all the stories we've been through. So enjoy the show. Um, let us know if you ever have any questions. Always, you can visit us at thedealboardpodcast.com. Transworld Business Advisors is the world's largest business brokerage and mergers and acquisitions firm with over 500 brokers in nearly 200 offices worldwide. Transworld's team handles thousands of business sales every year. To be connected with a qualified business broker or learn more about the buying and selling process, visit tworld.com forward slash the deal board or call 888-719-9098. Welcome back, everybody, and I'm really excited. We have a special segment today. One of Transworld's core values is giving back to the community, and we always love when our franchisees get involved in special causes in the world. And I have with me Eric Strauss from our Transworld New York office that really did something big and very relevant recently. So, Eric, tell us a little bit about the charity you worked with and why you got involved. So, Global Volunteers does amazing work around the world. We've worked for them a couple times before in uh, Ghana and in Ecuador. And we got an email recently saying that uh, their office in Poland needed help with Ukrainian refugees and they had a couple weeks open and could, could we help? And so I went to my wife and I'm like, can we do it next week? She said, let's do it. So we jumped on a plane, had a great team of six people. It was a remarkable week. That's amazing. I mean, and so timely and so relevant to give back. It sounds like an organization you've been with for a while. So what was it like being over in Poland and working with the refugees? So first of all, Poland has welcomed 2.8 million Ukrainian refugees, which is really wow. remarkable. And the whole country has opened its hearts and its wallets and its homes. Um, nobody's complaining about all the free food they're giving away and right and all the, all the efforts they're doing. Ukrainian flags everywhere in the country. And so what we did is... We went to this little town about an hour west of the Ukrainian border. And uh, in the mornings, we would box up donated items, medical supplies, diapers, clothing, blankets, sleeping bags. Ukrainian guys would drive over in these vans, we'd stuff the vans with these boxes, and they'd drive back to their towns in Ukraine. And in the afternoons, we basically played with kids and their moms, Ukrainian refugees who have been, you know, moved into Poland, left their dads, left their pets, left their homes. This was a remarkable, remarkable week and such sweet children and 
kids are resilient, but but they're hurting. So it's, it's really nice to do. It's it actually them. it's it's interesting. I haven't thought about this, but like just being over there and bringing some joy into their lives, right. just playing with them. I mean, is is so much of what you can give right exactly. now. Yeah. My, my soccer skills are not up to what they needed to be, but <laughs> we had a very good time with them. That's fun. So, what would you recommend if if someone specifically wants to get involved in the crisis that's going on in Eastern Europe right now? Like, how would you recommend they could get involved? Well, I mean, globalvolunteers.org is a great organization. They've been in Poland for 30 years. They've had the same team leader in Poland, so they know everything there is to know. It really, it's a remarkable organization. So, And they're looking for people, I think, through all summer. So, Wow, wow. Well, it's a remarkable story. Um, we love seeing your journey on it through social media, and thank you so much um, for your heart and giving back and well, coming on the show. Good to see you. Thanks you a too. lot. Thanks, Eric. Hey, Andy, do you know what time it is? It's time for our Deal of the Week. Deal of the Week. Sold. Welcome back, everyone. And today for our deal of the week, I have Katie Holditch from our Houston office for Trans World Business Advisors. Katie, welcome to the show and congrats on your recently closed deal. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about this business you just sold? So this was a liquor store and um, my personal background is a business owner as well for 19 years. I've owned salons, but I found a sweet spot and I'm really going to try to sell some more liquor stores. And this one specifically was wonderful. She had been in business for 13 years. Um, the original owner, it was only her running it and she was ready to retire. It's a small town. That's a suburb of Houston. And, you know, she did a bang up business. Uh, were the books just, you know, pristine? No, we had a lot of cash to deal with a lot of receipts and paper bags to sort through, but I had the best time with it actually. That's awesome. Very- yeah. That's awesome. And that's not atypical in liquor stores, right? So oh, it's important absolutely. to work with a professional like yourself that understands that process. And it that was industry. huge when it came down to, to getting the right buyer. That was huge because we were trying to sort through the, for the reports from the POS system and where the cash was. And it, it was a great learning curve, I, but I love it. Yeah. So actually talking about the buyer a little bit, who was the buyer and why was it such a great fit? You know, it was a perfect fit. When you have a liquor store that's profitable, or any kind of business, you know, that's the, that's one of the higher end, you know, even if it's, um, you know, the sales here were just a little over 300,000 a year, but the profitability was, you know, at 30% or whatnot. Wow. So I got a lot of inquiries on it. Lots yep. of interest, people coming in from out of state, people calling me all the time, but, you know, it's, it's a little harder than you even realize to come to the right buyer. And these particular buyers were a young couple about, 40, early 40s, and they had never owned businesses. Um, he worked for a big, um, either Google or Amazon, I'm not sure, one of those big ones. And mm-hmm. um, you wouldn't even think that they had a background for a liquor store, but they had done their due diligence. They had vetted businesses. They have lived in the Houston area for about four years from like Ohio. And wow. they just, they were very financially attuned to things. And they wanted to buy it for their future. And they were going to buy it and they were going to have, um, they run it full time right now. I think that, that they were going to hire somebody eventually, but it's it's them running it full time, which I think is so important with a small business. You know, I, it's not the big M and A deal, but if yep. you're you're buying a small business, you put that work in, and um, they were perfect. They were ready for the next phase. It was a cash purchase, and okay. um, yeah, they're yeah. doing great with it. It's really exciting that's, to see the store now. I've gone. That's by. awesome. Yeah, and yeah. It's, it's really fits like Andy and I have talked a lot about um, that 
you know, these, these younger buyers, like the millennial younger Gen Xers are now coming out of corporate and, and buying a lot of these businesses to operate themselves, um, as part of that great resignation. Right. So, right. um, yeah, so that's really exciting. So you mentioned it was a cash deal. What were some of the other metrics on the deal? How much did it sell for? You said it was sure, throwing a 30% net. Yeah. Right. And like I said, I had so much interest in it. So the listing price was 235,000. I might have listed it higher. Um, if I were to do it again, but the listing price was 235. And then these buyers came in at $220,000 cash. And, you know, there's an old saying that's a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush, which I'm not even sure exactly what that means, but <laughs> cash buyer and a transaction that could co close quickly and moving on the lease quickly, they were actually perfect. And I think on deals like this, what people have to understand is that there's inventory involved. And when that means doing inventory on a business, um, you're there the night before, you know, we were there till like, it could have been later, like 1130 PM physically going through the inventory. We actually came to a compromise because there were some numbers that was off. So there was like 50 pages of inventory. And we did like a 10% snapshot, drop the highest, drop the lowest numbers to come to, you know, some kind of agreement. And it was about 4,000 under what she had listed for mm -hmm. inventory, but that's where you can bring, you know, buyers and sellers together and make that compromise on the inventory numbers. Nice. And was the inventory included in the sale or in addition to it? It was, it was, it was, you know, listed at a $45,000 inventory. Um, mm -hmm. It ended up being like 41 and some change. And when I say some change, she literally had like a box, a cardboard box of change for the drawer. Yep. So that night it's like 11 PM and we're counting out rolls of quarters <laughs> down on that inventory amount. And then we actually, you know, took it off the sales price at the closing, yep. which I actually recommend that you maybe have them settle that outside of closing because it can affect your commission. Um, so it affects the commission by a little bit, but if it's over, it's, it's a good thing too. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, great learning lessons from there. It sounds like it was a great deal for both the buyer and the seller. The buyers get a great profitable business to start their entrepreneurial yep. careers off. They're doing and the great. seller seller yeah. gets to walk away cash in hand, hundred percent purchase price Absolutely. at the table. So Absolutely. this sounds like a great deal, Katie. If, um, if someone's listening and they want to, they're interested in selling their business or buying a business in the Houston area, how can they get in touch with you? Awesome. Yeah. I've lived here almost 21 years. So very familiar with businesses in the area. Um, my email is K Holditch, as you pronounced earlier, it's H O L D I T C H. It's unusual. K Holditch at tworld.com. And my cell phone is really the best way as well. It's 713-377-3189. All right. We'll drop that information to the show notes too. Can Katie, uh, Katie, congratulations again. Oh, thank and we you. hope to have you back on the show soon. Hey, you bet. Welcome back, everybody. We're live at the Transworld Conference, and we're asking some of the best brokers in the network, what is a deal challenge you've been able to overcome? And today I have with me Henry Ziff. He's our master partner for Transworld UK. Henry, you've got a deal challenge you've been able to overcome, right? Yeah, thanks for having me back, Jessica. There's always deal challenges. Um, everyone we've ever done has some kind of challenge. Uh, we had one recently where our client, through no fault of their own, had been um, overstating their work in progress just because they had done it like their original accountant said, let's do it like this, and they weren't doing it correctly. So we had to help unwind that through the middle of a process, which is never great because it ends up reducing the earnings. Yeah, work in progress, something people forget about a lot um, is, and is very important, especially in some specific industries. Any words of advice you would give to somebody about work in progress going into a deal? Uh, make sure it's clean. Like, like with everything, good books and records really help getting a deal done. So make sure it's kind of been looked at, especially in things like construction trade and the trades. 
um, yeah, really important and kind of a key thing that people will hone in on in due diligence. All right. Well, Henry, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me back, Jess. Hey, welcome back. And we're talking about deal issues. And I have Todd Bailey from Wichita, Transworld Business Advisors of Wichita. And you closed a big deal last year that you had a major problem. I did. I did. I had a really nice retail business. We got a full price offer at a five times multiple, which was really surprising, which was really wonderful as well. And as we expected, it came with a request for 10% seller financing. So I went to my seller and to my surprise, the seller said, we will not do any seller financing. And after a little bit of explanation and nurturing and nudging, they still refused. So we went back to the buyer's lender and told them this and fully expected them to say, "We, we have to have it or we can't do the deal. And through some negotiating, we convinced them that $100,000, which was a very small portion of the price, frankly, held in an escrow account long enough for the sellers to perform the required amount of transition training would suffice. So they went ahead and did the deal, all cash with $100,000 in escrow for a month instead of 10% seller financing for five years. And we did the deal. Congratulations. Amazing. Wow, that, that's a yeah. great way to get yeah, over it was that. Great. Congrats. We loved it. Good job. <laughs> Thank you. You bet. Welcome back, everybody. We're live from the Transworld 2022 conference, and we're asking some of our best experts in the network, what is a deal challenge you've been able to overcome? We have Eric Strauss with us from our Transworld New York office. Eric, what's your biggest challenge you've been able to overcome? Well, I'm not sure it's the biggest, but it's probably one of the most frequent ones. And I, I don't know if this is a special New York thing or not, but I'd say most of our businesses, or many of our businesses that have cash coming in the door, the cash doesn't make its way to the tax return. And so that's a challenge for buyers to prove the cash out. Um, And so, you know, a lot of the deals I work on, one of the ways buyers uh, prove the cash is they sit at the register for two weeks during due diligence, Mm -hmm. and they see that, you know, 15% of the revenue is coming in are cash, so they can assume it's 15% throughout the year, and they can make some assumptions based on that. So it ain't brain surgery, but it does give them comfort that there is as much cash coming in as a seller is claiming. Yeah. Obviously, this is a challenge we wish didn't occur in any of the businesses, but a good creative way to solve it if it did occur. Right. Right. Exactly. All right. Well, thanks for coming on the show, Eric. Okay. Thanks. Welcome back, everybody. And I have Bill Rowland here from Transworld Business Advisors of St. Louis West. And he's been doing this for a long time. And he has a pretty interesting issue that popped up. Tell us about it. Yeah, yeah. So we had uh, two grocery stores wrapped up in a deal, two of them together, about a $4 million deal. Um, Come to find out about two and a half weeks before closing, the bank called and one of the towns, Greenville, Illinois, had been forgotten to be put on the flood map, the FEMA flood map. Like, how do they do that? They have no idea. It's like the forgotten town. So... (laughs) So what happens is the bank says, I don't know, this could take a year to get it on the flat. How are we going to do this? So reach out to your seller. The sellers had been there for 45 years. I said, do you know anybody? And he goes, no, no. And I said, this could kill the deal. We need to know somebody. Then he goes, well, I do know the mayor very well, and my daughter works for the government. So that was on a Friday afternoon. So Monday morning calls me up. He goes, okay, it's done. Monday morning, we're on the flood map. So, yeah, it was a whole town that was not in a floodplain, but you need a flood cert 
to get your SBA lending. So very unique. Wow. It's just getting out there and networking. Great job. And, you know, it's what we do. Things come up and everybody says, I don't know what to do. You start Googling it and figure it out. Exactly. So, Congrats. Good job. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me. Hey, we're back. We're talking to Bill Kleinschroth from Transworld Business Advisors of, of, of the Gulf Coast. I want to say Gold Coast because I'm from Florida. <laughs> but So we're talking about things that happen in deals that could prevent a deal and how we overcame them. So, Bill, you got a good example of a family business, right? Yeah, that's right. So, uh, you know, in our industry, we see different things every day. And, you know, and, and sometimes hindsight's twenty twenty, but... Uh, you know, in this particular situation, we had a, a really nice family business in the uh, kind of cleaning and uh, restoration and water re remediation company that had family involved. Uh, you know, it was a, a typical story where husband and wife are both involved, but they also had their daughter and, and uh, son-in-law in the business at, at a kind of a mid-level management and overseeing a lot of things. Uh, the business owners owned all the equity uh, and made the decision to sell the business and hired us to, to represent them in, in the process. Uh, lo and behold, uh, uh, the, the family did not necessarily see eye to eye when it came to actually getting the deal done. Um, you know, and so, so part of that process was just having to work through the family dynamics to figure out where we needed to go from there. And, you know, and, and so, you know, one of the lessons learned is always to, to, you know, make sure that you involve the family because a buyer is going to want to inherit something that's, that's you know, if they're going to pay the money to, to buy a business, then everything needs to be, you know, above board and understand where the, how the transition process should work smoothly. So, so the good news is the family got over it. Yeah, the family got over it. For a while, it was sticky. Uh, you know, that, that, that you know, the, 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 the family, the, the, the daughter and the son-in-law did not uh, speak for a while. So the, the, the mother and father backed off and said, y'all run the business. I'm going to give y'all six months. If this is for y'all, y'all can buy it for me. Uh, six months expired. They decided that owning a business was not for them. And, you know, so, so we were able to work through that process. Now we're going back to market with everybody on board. And it's a really, actually the business is healthier than it ever has been. They've hired some people. And so, you know, we're excited to bring that to market. Now. Yeah, that's great. Great story. Thanks for joining us yeah. today. Appreciate it. Welcome back, everybody. We are live with the Deer Board from the Transworld 2022 conference. I'm standing with Dion from our Utah County office. Dion, we're asking everybody, what is an obstacle in a deal that you've been able to overcome? So I recently closed a transaction where the business didn't have a lot of revenue, not a lot of net income, but the revenue potential was there, particularly because they were expanding into the Mexico market. Mm. And the buyer recently moved to the United States from Mexico and had the contacts necessary. So we were able to structure a transaction where the buyer paid the cash based on the current value of the business. We did a seller note for the remainder and then on top of that, we have an earnout for incremental earnings from the Mexican expansion. So everybody's happy. They they were very pleased to work with each other, and it ended up being a good deal for good people for sure. Wow, that's that's great. That's creative deal structuring at at its best. Congratulations on your deal. Thanks for coming on the show. Great, thank you, Jessica. Welcome back, and we're talking about issues you had to overcome in a deal, and I have Ashley Kelsey from Eastern North Carolina. And Ashley, you just sold the deal. You were telling me about you had a major issue. 
Yes, so the issue that we had, it was a spa, and ultimately services that were previously included with the previous seller. Um, unfortunately, at the very end, the closing table, the landlord says, we're not going to include those, and kind of those services would include laundry service. So everything was falling apart, and kind of the way that we overcame that was we went back to the previous negotiations that we had, and initially the landlord was increasing the rent, but based on the negotiations, I was able to get the increase to be significantly lower. So at the time, the buyer was going to walk away, and I told her, you know, based on the fact that the landlord has already decreased what he wanted on the rent, you know, let's move forward, and she was happy. There you go. That was a great way. Good job. Thank you, and thank you for having me. Hey, Jessica, you know what time it is? Money time? Almost. It's time for Listing of the Week. Hey, we're back and it is Listing of the Week and we have Aaron Fox from Transworld Business Advisors of Boston and we are talking medical business again, but, you know, sort of the med spa business. So, Aaron, why don't you tell us about the deal? Sure. Thanks, Andy. Glad to be back. We've got a We've got one, you know, we work in the medical, we work in the salons, we work. So we decided to venture a little bit into the med spa space. Okay. So this listing is for a med spa that, you know, naturally everyone says diversify, 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 keep your income streams. So they've got the salon, they've got the nails, they've got the med spa. Obviously the med spa is pulling the majority of the revenue. Right. Um, the salon is a close second and the nails and sort of esthetician services follow that. But I mean, they're pulling in huge numbers. I'm looking here, you know, almost just shy of 1.4 million in sales. But what's really impressive is good, clean SDE flow into the bottom, 445. Wow. Which you don't really see a lot. So that's, uh, I was pretty excited to see that when I was talking to them. They are asking uh, 1.25 million for it. But you're looking at least with all of the uh, the med, uh, med spa equipment, you're looking at 300,000 plus of equipment in this. A beautiful build out, very, very recent, um, recent renovations. Uh, they've just fantastic team. Everything, this place is turnkey. And I think it's even simple enough that someone like me could buy it that doesn't know the first thing about any one of those services. And well, I do know the first thing. I shouldn't be providing them. That's the first thing. And you can walk in and truly be a manager and run run this business. Wow, sounds like a great business. And uh, do we have financing for it yet? We don't. Uh, we're still waiting on the prequal to come back for SBA financing, but the lenders gave me two thumbs up on the first round. They've just been absolutely slammed, as you know, with it. It is busy days and deals like this don't stick around. So I'm sure it'll be pre-qualified soon. So Aaron, what's the best way to get in touch with you if they need? Sure. You can always uh, you can always find these listings on tworld.com. You can reach me at Aaron at tworld.com or 781-773-8922. Great business won't last. Get it, folks. Thanks for tuning into the show today. If you like the podcast, share it with your friends on social media. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcasting app. If you have questions, would like to appear, or have suggestions for topics for the show, get in contact with us through our website, thedealboardpodcast.com. Capella University is rethinking higher education. With their game-changing FlexPath format, you can earn your degree on your schedule so you can fit education seamlessly into your life. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.